0: Rick is teaching from John 1, verse 29 this morning. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Good morning. Um, so we're starting just a, a quick little mini-series this morning. Um, not really sure how long it's going to last. Um, at least this week and next week, and maybe the, the the following week, leading up into the Christmas season. But the the title um, it's it's so quick that we don't really have like a title slide or books or any of that stuff. Um, but the 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 understanding is, behold, the gospel, and we're going to think about really two things: one, the word "behold" that's um, that kind of kicks off this verse, but then also the this idea uh, of the gospel, and and uh, Behold is a word that I'm spending a lot of time with lately. Um, it's just wanting everyone to just stop and pay attention to what is about to be said. Um, there is uh, this, this idea we need to freeze and, and stop what's, what's distracting us and, and engage with what's in front of us. This word, behold. Um, so uh, a few weeks ago... Jen and Hannah Grace were out of town, and so the uh, uh, Cooper and and Mia and I went on a little adventure, and we went to the St. Louis Art Museum. And at the museum, we we saw this. Uh, No, would you just kind of scroll through those those pictures? Um, uh, So this is it's called Stone Sea, and it's at the at the art museum right now. Um, And you can when when you when we saw it for the first time, it was it was right next to this. this plaque that said, the idea behind this piece is that it speaks to you more and more the different vantage points that you view it from. And so the art museum has, has placed this in kind of an outdoor courtyard. It may be very similar to this one, a little bit uh, more compact than that. Um, but the idea is you can see it from like below, like you're in the basement looking up at it. And then there's also you can see it from from windows like right on the level and from windows that are above it. But then it's also cool because there's like a little fence area that you can actually be outside looking down at at this picture. So uh, fire that that next one. Uh, so this is one from actually inside. Uh, so there's each one of those uh, the entire the entire stone. There's like 300 stones and there's more than uh, more than 300 tons uh, of of these that this whole thing weighs and it's it's really incredible go ahead and hit the next one um yeah this is a piece of of the i don't i don't think that's the artist but it's an architect that's kind of putting the the stone pieces together so they're they're just a series of arches with those you can see that last piece going into that arch they they kind of support one another and lean on each other um and then go ahead and hit the the next one uh so this kind of gives a, a, a really cool picture of it. So they're kinda of weaving in and out of each other and, and it, they're they're it's just massive. And to see it, the, the thing that really struck me was that the the artist intended for you to be able to view this from several different vantage points and to really engage with it. And so it's all of that stuff is like Missouri limestone that's been crafted and, and shaped to to be in, in those shapes. But the the enormity of it is impressive but then the idea that to to look at it from different perspectives is really incredible to me and so the when we saw it for the first time we were in the basement kind of looking up at it And so you're kind of looking up at this monstrosity and then the next time we saw where we kind of went on an adventure to find all the different... Because there was a, at least four different vantage points you can see this from. So we went on an adventure trying to find each one of these vantage points to, for it to maybe see something different or engage with something in a different way. The next one we saw was probably my favorite, which is kind of looking down into it. You can really see how these things kind of interact with one another and how they go back and forth. And, and this idea... That you can see it from different vantage points and interact with it from below and from the same level and from above, and then even unencumbered by like glass between you, you can see it outside. This is the, the idea when John the Baptist says in John one twenty nine, Behold, this is the the idea that, that he's he's speaking. It's like he wants you, he wants the people that are around to see Jesus. And to see the gospel. And that's the the beautiful part about the gospel. And it, it's it's really um, there's several paradoxes that we'll see this morning. And the, the gospel and this notion is is one of those paradoxes, is that on the surface this is just a collection of stones that that somebody has put together. But when you view it from different areas and when you interact with it in different ways, when you, I I wish you could get in there and like actually touch it. Um, When for the gospel, ultimately the gospel is just information. It's information. Jesus died for your sins and that's the gospel. We're sinful. Jesus died to overcome that. So it's really just information. Just like this is really just a, a visual medium to, to teach a lesson. But, but there's, there's something powerful about an invitation to interact with something. Behold is two things. It's an introduction. Like I'm about to, if you've ever been introduced to somebody, I'm, I, I was out with a group of friends last night and, and a guy brought his girlfriend and I'd never met her before and I was, I was introduced to her. And and I want to like, hey, let's have some conversation. Who are you? Where you work? You know, what's going on? How'd you guys meet? All that stuff. That's like an introduction. You guys all know what that is, right? Behold is an introduction. And, and I think that's the piece where we kind of we see that. When somebody says behold, well that people don't use that language now, but but when we read behold, it's this an introduction. Hey, I want you to pay attention to what I'm about to say. But there's something deeper to behold. We're talking about behold the gospel or behold Jesus Christ, Lamb of God, who came to take away the sin. That's our verse. But there's something deeper than just an introduction to information. It's an invitation to interact with that information. And just like, and I hope that maybe some of you will, will go down to the art museum this week and, and check a, take a look at this piece and, and think about the invitation that the artist offers to you to interact with his work in several different vantage points from several different vantage points from several different ways and means that, to engage with his work and like this is this is the the invitation to the gospel and like it's really important for you to, to see this idea that that the the an invi- the gospel invites you to interact with it. Just stop and consider that. The gospel, which is really simply news, invites you to interact with it. It invites you to see your sin. It invites you to see your depravity. It invites you to see the beauty of God. It invites you to see the provision of God. It invites you to see the simplicity of God. Jesus and his existence and, and I, I really want us to see that this morning when we when we talk about Lamb of God is an invitation to interact with to engage with the simplicity of Jesus like and that 's the profound nature of the gospel is that it 's so simple and yet so deep and so paradoxical. Um, Behold the gospel. And and next week we'll talk a little bit more about this word behold. Um, But I want to spend time now thinking about this idea of of the Lamb of God. Um, The purpose of a lamb was to provide protection and sustenance and sacrifice. It was the perp- and, and so let, let's get into the minds of these people that hear John the Baptist say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. Let, let's go back just a bit. So this this John 1 takes place at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Jesus, Nobody really knows who Jesus is at this point, but a lot of people know who John the Baptist is at this point. John the Baptist was uh, spent time out in the wilderness, and he preached to people, and he gained quite a following. And he was looked to by the culture as, as this religious figure who could kind of point towards God for them. And a lot of people sought his approval and sought his, uh, his opinion on, on lots of different matters. And people had gathered around John the Baptist at the time when Jesus was kind of becoming to, to, to begin his, his public ministry. And Jesus shows up and John's response is, everybody pay attention to this introduction, and invitation to interact with God's provision for your life. This is what he says, behold. But, but here, it's the, it begins to get really, really gorgeous and, and beautiful in that he calls Jesus the Lamb of God. So these people, when they heard lamb, the, they're religious people, and so they would have understood the Old Testament sacrificial rules and, and what a lamb was and what its purpose was. So a lamb is... It was designed for protection and that they would shear it and create clothing to protect from the sun. They're in the desert after all. And so it was, the lamb provided them with protection and the lamb provided them with provision. There was there was meat that was a part of the of lamb. But then it was also sacrifice. The lamb's purpose was sacrifice. Um, and to to. It was literally raised to be sacrificed. So this is, this is interesting because I, uh, back in my, right out of college, I went to um, Atlanta to spend nine months learning the insurance industry. So I, I started out my career as, a, as an insurance guy. And uh, so I went to this, this inch, one of our customers was uh, a chicken plant, very similar to like Tyson Chicken, all right? And so... Uh, I went into this plant and and our job was to go and make sure there weren't potential risk factors like you could hurt yourself or somebody could get hurt or people could get hurt working. So we're looking out for that. So we tour the entire facility. And so I saw chickens walking off of a cage and onto a conveyor belt and then frozen and everything in between. I won't I'll tell you later if you want, you want to know all those details of, of how that actually happens. But I see like a live chicken and a frozen chicken and everything in between. And I began to, to think about like the, the point of, of that, of, of me saying that, is like the, the existence of these chickens, like the purpose of these chickens is to feed the people that will eat the chicken. Like they don't have any other reason to exist. And for these people, a lamb would have been very similar to that. And, and like, if we have like philosophical vegetarians in a room, I apologize for just offending you. But for these people, that that idea, that understanding was, was the purpose of a lamb. They had, there was no other reason for a lamb to exist but to serve these people. There's it, There was absolutely no re and more than that, they were nasty, filthy, dirty creatures. And here, John the Baptist, the man who the whole culture sought to give spiritual wisdom from, they would, they would go him to, to find spiritual wisdom, uh, here he is saying, Lamb of God. And what, it's, it's tremendously paradoxical because they're, they're here to, to sacrifice, and they're here to provide sustenance, and they're here to provide protection for us. And now he says, Lamb of God. Do you see, like, there, there's no real purpose for these lambs other than to serve these people. And, and he's, he's dirty, and he, he's filthy, and there's not much to him. But now, Lamb of God, like the, the paradox of that. They're, they're they're opposites of one another. For these people, they would be complete opposites of one another. And the lamb was really important uh, in uh, in Exodus. The lamb, do you guys remember the story when all the plagues are happening and God's people have been in Egypt under rule for either two hundred or four hundred years? Scholars are 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 confused about that, and, and there's different scholars who believe different things about the Israelites were under captivity. In slavery for 200 or 400 years, somewhere between there. And one of the things that God uses is I want you to sacrifice a lamb so that I'll, and and rub that lamb's blood on your doorpost and I'll save your children. The lamb's role is to sacrifice. And Genesis, Abraham had been promised 100 years ago that. God was going to make his name great and make his family great and he would have more, more children than the stars in the sky. And, and this is, now he's got a son and God calls him to sacrifice his son and he walks to the mountainside to sacrifice his son and he ties his son up and lays him on the altar and he's going to kill his son to sacrifice to God. And at the last second, what happens? You guys remember? He sees a lamb... And God says, no, don't kill your son. I've provided a lamb for you. So these people, when they hear this idea that God, Jesus, is the lamb of God, they would have heard that the purpose of his existence is to sacrifice for you. And before he says lamb of God, he says, behold, I'm going to invite you to interact with this thing that I'm about to say to you. And this thing that I'm about to say to you is, here, God has provided sacrifice for you. And so, this is, this is where I want you to, to pause for a second. Behold, God has provided this otherwise meaningless Nothing attractive about him, provision to sacrifice for you. And I want you to, to see, I want you to see the gospel. I want you to interact. I'm, I invite you to interact with that. I invite you to, to process through your sin. I invite you to process through what you find attractive and what you don't find attractive in this world. I invite you to process through the gospel and what draws us. What draws your attention? And most of the time, the things that don't draw your attention are the things of beauty that God wants to share with you and engage with you, invite you to interact with. And this is the gospel here. It's just four simple words. Behold the Lamb of God. Five simple words. Behold the Lamb of God. And, and my, my hope this morning is that we would see that idea to be introduced and to be invited to interact with this paradox of a sacrificial Ugly, nothing beautiful about him, God interacting with us. Um, but that's not all that John says. It's also who takes away the sin of the world. Um, as you, this is the part to, to really engage and interact with. One of my favorite quotes comes from Martin Luther. Um, It's on the screen. It's in your bulletin. It says, When the devil throws your sins in your face and declares that you deserve death and hell, tell him this, I admit that I deserve death and hell. What of it? For I know one who suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God. And where he is, there I shall be also. When John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin, he invites you, the hearer, to interact with the beauty of what this is and what this says. Do you you understand? Do you live in that invitation? Do you interact with the gospel in such a way to understand and know that your sin does not harm you? Your sin does not keep you from God, ever. There's always more grace there's always more invitation to interact with this holy and perfect god who came to this earth as a as an ugly man to to be dirty and there's nothing attractive about him other than the fact that he is god sacrificing providing protection providing your sustenance and providing the fact that he is god accepting worship being beautiful this is god and he takes away your sin. And, like, the enemy's job is to get you distracted with what's happening around this world. Or even to get you distracted with your own sin. I've, it's been, uh, I, I mentioned this last week. It's, it's been a, a, a season of hardship and And just weird sort of disconnected spirituality for me. And I I see this verse takes away the sin of the world. And I hear Martin Luther's voice saying, Tell the devil when he throws your sin in your face, what of it? Jesus Christ has paid for that. And if I can provide anything to you, it's an invitation to interact with the beauty of your sin has been put away. Um, Jared Wilson, a modern author, writes this. This is beautiful. If you were to ask me when I was saved, I would answer not entirely humorously about 2,000 years ago. I just want to let that sit on you for a second. Somebody asks you, when were you saved? (laughs) 2,000 years ago. Indeed, I have been predestined for salvation by the one who foreknew me before I was born or had done anything good or bad because the lamb was slain. Because the lamb was slain. Before you had done anything good or bad, Jesus was perfect and died for your sin so your good has nothing to do has provides you with nothing and your bad provides you with nothing because the lamb of god was slain do you see like there's there's nothing that you have ever done or ever will do that separates you from the love of god because it's already been paid for behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin behold invites you to interact with this paradox that has come to you to take away your sin. It's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. I'm belaboring points because it's important for us to see that the the paradox of God has taken away your sin. And he invites you all the time to engage and interact with him. Uh, I want to read a few verses over us that hammer this point home. First Peter three eighteen. For Christ suffered once for sins. How many times did Christ suffer for sins? Once the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God to put to death in the flesh but be made alive in the spirit. Look at the middle there. Christ suffered how many times? Why? To bring you to God. You have access to God at all times. This is the gospel. Behold, interact with this. When, like, I I think that this message is for us here in these few minutes that we're together, but it's more for those immediate moments post-sin or those those several days post-sin or maybe even those several months or years post-sin when the devil is in your head speaking to you about your sin and you have no right to, To proclaim to be a Christian. You have no right to stand before God. You have no right for any of those things. But behold says engage with the truth of this. Once Christ died so that you might be brought to God. This is the gospel. And it has to change everything about us. How we see people on this earth. How we see people who believe differently than us how we see people that look differently than us, how we see people that, that maybe even are way different from us. We're all here. Hebrews 10, 10 through 12. And by that, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. There's that word again, once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Like, like, Let's talk about that for a second. Like, We try to act as our priest all the time, making some sort of sacrifice for our sin. As if to say, working in the bigs class twice a month makes God like you better. Or push your sin away. Or as if to say, showing up here on a Sunday morning, every Sunday, God's going to like you better, take your sin away. Or, or giving to the guy on the street who asks you for a, a couple of dollars so that he can eat. That's going to make God like you better. As if to say, any of these sacrifices that you make to try to earn God's favor, it's just, it's just not going to happen because there, there's no way, like, there's nothing that you can do, to earn God's favor. There's nothing you can do that make, that's going to make God love you more. It's already finished. Just like Jared Wilson. When were you saved? 2,000 years ago I was saved. When were you made right? By the death of Jesus Christ. Thousands of years ago. Verse 12. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God. Why did he sit down? Because it was over. It's done. It's done. Behold the gospel. Behold, interact with this idea that Jesus has finished it and he's sitting down. He's, because he's done. He died once as a single sacrifice for all time. First John two two, he is the propitiation, that just means paying the price. He has paid the price for our sins, not only for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Your sin has been put away. Romans three twenty five, whom God put forth as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in Him, in His divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. Um, what does this? What does this do? How? Wh- what difference does this make? your sins once for all times have been forgiven what difference does that make how does it like our culture is so polarized what difference does this make to to that to the polarization of our of our culture Like, here's something I, I struggle with too. I feel like I, I connect pretty well with this message of the gospel, like what Jesus has done for me. And, and I'm most of the time, I am willing to interact with a God who loves me and sent his son for me. But I'm not sure that I forgive people well. Like, I can, I can convince you that I do with what I say and what I do and how I act. And the pretty face that I put on? But I'm not really sure that I do. Yeah. How do you guys how you guys doing with that? How are you doing with people who you just don't like? Or maybe did you wrong? Said terrible end untrue things about you? How you doing with that forgiveness? The antidote to that is behold the gospel. Interact, engage with the gospel. I'm two very specific people in my head right now. And and to be honest with you, I don't I don't really want to forgive them. I'm sorry that wasn't very pastoral. But like the antidote is the gospel. What 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 difference? What difference does the gospel make for you? Does it make a difference for you? What does this What does this do? That your sins have been put away by this great paradox by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ if you are truly interacting with it something is different something changes and it's not Um, so last night I uh, I was at a funeral and the, there were two guys that spoke. The first guy was an older guy and um, was talking about reflections of the guy who passed away and their friendship. And he kept saying, um, do good, be good, do good, be good. We were good. We did good. We, we were, we, and we went to, every Sunday. We went to church. You guys can stay here if you want, but we're going to go to church." Like, let's go to church. And it, it was just, the ringing in my head was activity. Let's do stuff for God. And like, I'm frustrated. Dude, can I have that microphone, please? Um, but... Because there's, there's so much more to the gospel. And then like, I think by virtue of us going here to this church and, and having the the idea and the thoughts of, of that we have, like we would, we would see through like some sort of religious activity, earning some favor with God. And, and we see through that, but what good do your right beliefs do for you? Like, that's a really hard question if you really deal with it. What, like, I believe that, that we proclaim the gospel in a, in, a, in a pure way here. But what good is that? What good do right beliefs give to you? Behold is an invitation to interact with those right beliefs and allow them to change you. Um, I'm going to be finished. Let's, let's pray. Father, um, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for your son Jesus. Thank you for um, your complete and utter provision for our sin, God. God, I pray for humility in this space. Lord, I pray for conviction in this space, Father. God, bring us into your presence. God, allow us to sit with you, Father. God, Lord, this is a habitual time for us, and we are trained. to sit and train to respond and train to walk to these tables and sing these songs. God, but I, I pray You would snap us from the monotony of habit and instead allow us to interact with You. God, would you give us a different vantage point to see your gospel this morning? And would you allow us to be changed by it? God, I thank you for the hope that you've given to us. And I pray that you would give us ears to hear and then feet to go and do something with what you've told us. God, uh, Please bless this mess that we've made. It's by the power of your Son Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away our sin, that we pray these things. Amen.